Welcome to Fresh Off the Set. I'm Carrie Hawker Diaz. And I'm Alora Murray. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. And today's guest, I mean, honestly, all of our guests that we have in here are amazing. Today's guest, especially, she is someone who you know her story, you know her name, um, Elizabeth Smart. Yes. So it had been 20 years since she had been abducted and found. Mm -hmm. She was abducted, I think, for about nine months. And the story was worldwide. It, I 20 years ago, I still remember where I was when I found out. Um, my parents told me because um, they wanted me to hear it from them and not from my friends who may, mm-hmm. you know, over-exaggerate things. But it really was, I remember feeling heart sick, like my heart dropped. And I remember every single time I went to a store, a fast food restaurant, her picture was up. And it Mm -hmm. said, I'm missing. I remember the picture they used. I can see it vividly. And I remember that feeling as much as the feeling the day I found out she was found. It was this huge relief, this huge just, I remember the exact day just feeling like, oh my word, yes, she's been found. Yeah, a big relief. Yeah. And, you know, we were all praying and hoping and Mm -hmm. wishing and, you know, sending our thoughts and just hoping that she would be okay, that she would be found. I remember seeing her parents constantly in the media Mm -hmm. talking about her, showing her pictures and people were looking for her. And um, I remember the day she was found in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And I was, I think I'm sure I cried Mm -hmm. because you just didn't know what was going to happen. And she was found and I... And then I remember thinking, well, what is her life going to be like after this? Mm-hmm. But she is someone that took what happened to her and is helping so many people now. She yeah. is superheroes. I mean, if there was a cape, you know, she's, has superheroes, she's a superhero. she would be wearing it. Yeah, she started a foundation. We talked a little bit about what she's doing now to help other girls, other women um, across the globe. And uh, she uh, is a, a wonderful human being who I really enjoyed talking to. So should we take a listen? Can't wait. We have a very special guest today on our podcast, Fresh Off the Set. Um, it is the incredible mother, champion for girls, defender. Her courage and bravery has helped girls and women and families all across the world. It's Elizabeth Smart. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. Okay, it has been 20 years since you were abducted and taken from your home. How are you feeling about it being 20 years? I mean, I remember thinking 20 years ago, would I would questioning if I'd even be alive today. So I feel pretty good that I'm alive today and that I am here and I can say 20 years ago. Absolutely. And you were recently interviewed by Gail King, host of CBS This Morning, to talk about your life since everything happened. Can you share some insights with us from that interview? Sure. Well, first off, Gail is lovely as always <laughs> of course and just one of the nicest people you could hope to meet in real life um but she was amazing because not i mean yes we spoke about my story but she also came out to help support an event that is so special to me uh recently this past january my foundation the elizabeth smart foundation joined forces with the malou foundation which if you haven't heard then you need to learn about them and you should go to maloufoundation.org to learn more about them um but joined and we spent i don't know how many hours and how many months planning this 
summit, but we hosted this summit in April where we invited, you know, national leaders, local leaders, um, people who are really in a position to make a large scale difference Mm -hmm. to come and learn about sexual exploitation and human trafficking. And she was so kind to not only just graciously cover it, but she also helped kick it off. And so that was so special to me. Um, I just loved having her there and it was such a great experience. Yeah. Well, she is amazing and so are you. And uh, speaking of the Malou Foundation, we've had them on our show, Fresh Living, multiple times. They are doing phenomenal work. We love having them on. And um, going back to everything you went through, if there's someone out there listening in the same situation that you were, maybe some advice on how you found the will to survive. Don't ever give up. Mm. Believe that happiness is real. Even if even if you are in the darkest place and it feels like happiness doesn't exist, I'm here to tell you that it does and that you deserve to have happiness. So even if you don't feel it right now, just believe in it and hold on to it because it will come to you. It is, it is, um, it is possible and never, never stop believing in that. Never give up because you deserve to be happy. You don't deserve for all the terrible things in your life to be happening that may be happening to you right now. You don't deserve that. You deserve to be happy. So believe in it and hold on to it until you find it. Oh, that's so good. of the chills. That's really good advice, Elizabeth. And I think it's so hard with young girls. I have a daughter myself and she's five and raise, you know, being a mom and raising girls in this day and age and how hard it is to build confidence and and help protect them. Any advice you have for moms or, you know, somebody's sister, daughter, friend, for just surviving in the world that we are in today as a young girl? Well, some of the best advice that was given to me that I love and I hate at the same time Mm -hmm. in equal measures probably is that when your children start asking questions, that is the right time to start talking to them. Mm. And I mean, my children, my oldest is seven, I have seven, five and three. And I mean, my children are already asking questions. And so I think that is great advice because it is about education. We do need to educate. We do need to not protect our children so much that they don't know what's possible and they get themselves or not they they end up finding themselves in a situation that can be harmful or dangerous. We don't want that. And but at the same time, you don't want to scare them so much. But right. it's so important to have these conversations and start talking to them about what is appropriate, what is age appropriate, um, and as far as your conversations go, um, you know, how much can your individual child handle? Because, you know, like our children, they they could all be five years old, but they would all have different maturity levels. True. So really trying to um, help have these conversations that are not just one size fits all, but really trying to tailor them for your specific child and then continuing to have these conversations and allowing them to grow. And yes, as they get older, allow them to be more detailed. And it's hard and it's terrifying. And and I feel that way myself. I'm like, (laughs) I sit here and I feel like I'm preaching to myself because, you know, as I mentioned, my children are already asking questions and so I've started to have those conversations with them I'm to the point now where I'm like I probably need to take the next step with my oldest daughter and start talking with her a little bit more on a little bit a little bit bigger level than I have in the past and I think in my timeline and everything so I'm like this has to happen like I can't just say I'm not ready so I'm gonna wait I'm not ready so I'm gonna wait because if I keep doing that right then we might not ever have that conversation that's because I fully acknowledge and admit it is terrifying as a parent to have but I think that's probably just all the more reason to have them oh that's a really that's that is so true very terrifying and of course it's gonna be an uncomfortable situation but uh, that makes it even more important to be talking with 
with them about it when they're asking questions and that's you know, that's, that's smart. Um, you have been focusing on working with survivors of sexual assault and missing children for the last 20 years. Why did you choose to enter advocacy work? I don't honestly don't know that it was ever really a conscious decision. I mean, I'm not really sure that there was just this moment in time that I said, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. I kind of feel like it was wading into the shallow end of the pool, the swimming pool, because my dad, when I came home, he was very involved in it. And and um, as he would go out and speak and advocate and try to help uh, change laws or adjust laws or make new laws, um, he would often ask my opinion on things. And so it was just very slowly and naturally I felt like it, it happened. And then it wasn't until um, my case finally came to court where I I felt very publicly had to basically go on the stand and talk about things that honestly I'd never even spoken to my parents uh, mm-hmm. to my parents about I mean mm-hmm. I spoke about a lot of things I'd never never said before and that was hard and walking away from that uh, I felt very defined by what I had said and it just kind of felt like it was I don't know a list it just felt like it's bullet points of this happened this happened this happened this happened and to me I I just felt like I was so much more than that. And if I was going to come off as a bullet pointed list that I wanted to give it some context and I wanted it to not just be there for, I don't know, entertainment or I don't know, but the public's consumption, I wanted to actually have an impact and make a difference. And so I guess if there was a defining moment, that would be it. But by that point in my life, you know, I'd already, I'd already been like up on Capitol Hill, uh, both locally and nationally. I had already uh, done dozens of media interviews on different issues. Um, you know, I had been involved in search and rescues by that point. Um, I was already in it, but I suppose if I had to name a point that really, I guess, defined my desire to keep going, to step into my own, if you will, that was Mm -hmm. it. Well, thank you for having a voice and um, being an example and helping others. And you then started the Elizabeth Smart Foundation, which is what it is today and an incredible foundation. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yes. So the Elizabeth Smart Foundation, we are all focused on prevention, advocacy, and justice. And that just so happens to be exactly what the Malou Foundation focuses on. So when we came together, it was just the perfect fit. And I feel like I can say uh, with 100% surety that I know that I will be able to do more joining forces than I will ever be able to do by myself. So I am so excited, actually, for what we are today and what we are doing together today because um, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it on my own. It takes a team sometimes and definitely a leader like you are, Elizabeth. So thank you for starting this foundation and helping so many families and young girls. And you are a voice for survivors. How do you feel about that? It's a role that I never imagined myself in. And truthfully, I I feel like there are so amazing, so many amazing people in the world. And the people that choose to go into law enforcement, into healthcare, into mental health, into advocacy, because that those people that choose that, I feel like are just extra special, extra admirable. Um, they have an extra helping of, of compassion in them because I have sat and myself and thought about it good and hard. And honestly, I don't know that I would be doing what I am doing or I don't know that I'd be in the field that I am in today had I not been kidnapped, had I not experienced everything. I think I very well could have continued on in my little bubble and not that I'd be a bad person or a mean person or a rude person. I sure, think I'd feel sure. heartbroken. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'd feel heartbroken over anyone who was kidnapped or raped. I mean, I, I would, but I honestly, I just don't know that I would be picking up the torch, so to speak, and carrying it this far. Mm-hmm. I could see myself, you know, like, oh, here, yeah, of course I can donate. Here's some money. And then kind of continuing on and just living in my little bubble. Right. So um, I have the deepest of respect for people who are drawn to this cause in specific and not because of personal, mm-hmm. but they are just drawn to it because they know that the world needs to change and they want to be a part of it. And they want to help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, your courage and bravery has been insurmountable and your strength. I mean, what gave you the strength even now to push forward after enduring what you went through? Well, it certainly helped to have a lot of good teammates. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my family certainly is, is very high on that list. My children, knowing that I never want them to go through what I went through. But then as I've gone out and I've met other survivors and I've listened to their stories and I've known they did not deserve this to happen to them. And then as I've sat and thought there, who, who else better than me? To take up this cause and to speak out on this. The majority of uh, sexual violence or kidnapping, you know, that comes from the hands of people who should be the ones protecting you. Right. They should be the ones loving you, being basically your first line of defense. And so to have your first line of defense turn on you, um, how I can't even imagine how much more difficult that would be to learn to trust again or learn to move forward again. And for me, I am so lucky and so blessed that you know what happened to me came at the hands of strangers. It wasn't someone that I knew. It wasn't someone that I was related to. It wasn't someone that I loved. And so for me, I've always had that faith in my family that they will be there for better or for worse. And that remains the same today. So even if I have a hard day or something is um, really difficult in overcoming or makes me feel bad, I know that when I go home, I will still be loved and I will still be protected and I have my safe place to return to. Mm. Uh, How many victims don't have that? Yeah. You know, I I put forward that the majority of survivors don't have that. Well, and this is why... You know, you're so involved in doing what you're doing to help others. And over the past 20 years, let's talk about maybe some of the initiatives that you are most proud of that you've accomplished. So the first one that jumps to my mind, I mean, a whole bunch jumped to my mind, honestly. <laughs> but the first one that kind of jumps to my mind is what happens every November within our foundation. It is called our We Believe You campaign. And it is probably what most near and dear to my heart of all the different initiatives that I've been involved in. Um, I have spoken in, in every state in America and without fail. Every time that I've spoken that where there's been an opportunity for me to mingle with people afterwards, I have had someone approach me and say, I had the same thing happen to me, except I've never told anyone before. Wow. This is my first time admitting it. Or, um, you know, I, I, I was raped when I was a kid, but I was too scared to tell my parents because I didn't think they'd believe me. Um, the fear of not being believed, that thought and that feeling among survivors is so prevalent. I have felt driven to do something different because no one should have to carry this burden alone. And so we started the We Believe You campaign, which is really it, um, twofold. On one hand, it's there to try to help survivors know that they are not alone, to know that we do believe them, that they don't have to be ashamed of what's happened to them. They don't feel the need to hide or um, stay silent about the pain that they've gone through. Um, I want them to know that, that we do believe them. I mean, I feel like the first time, you know, any any uh, any case comes to light 
and it involves sexual assault, the character of the victim is always put into question. Mm -hmm. And that is not fair or right. It just doesn't matter what your background is or what you've done or who you are. Sexual assault is never, never, never okay. And this feeling of just shame and, and guilt and wanting to hide it is so common. So I want survivors to know that we believe them, um, and that many people believe them, that they don't have to hide it. On the flip side of it, you know, we, we are given so much education as kids, and a lot of it is safety education. I mean, everybody knows what do you do if you catch on fire. How Stop to cross the street. How to, yeah. How to cross the street, yeah. Look both ways. You know, if you're in an earthquake, get in a doorway. Get under your desk. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have fire drills. We have, you know, earthquake drills. We've got all sorts of safety information that we're taught from the time that we're very little. But has anyone ever told you how you should respond or, or what you should do if you're raped or if someone that you know has been raped and they disclose to you? Has anyone ever told you that? No, that's a really good point. When we were kids, yeah, you're right. You learn all the safety things of, you know, if there's a fire, if there's an earthquake. Yeah, but never, never that. And yet... One in three women will experience sexual abuse in their life. One in three. I mean, that is staggeringly high statistic. Mm-hmm. And yet we have, we don't, we don't even know how to respond to it. So the other side of our We Believe You campaign is to try to help educate the public because whether you consciously know someone who has openly admitted they've been abused or not, you do know someone. Chances are you probably know multiple people, lots of people who have been sexually abused. And so we want to try to help empower communities to know how to respond, how to act with sensitivity. Because, I mean, these are terrifying, heavy, scary crimes. And it is painful to think about or even just imagining that happening. And it can be so overwhelming to have someone tell you how they have been hurt and how they have been betrayed and how they have been violated. And I mean, when it when things get overwhelming, I guess I can only speak for myself. But when that happens to me, I usually want to go home and I want to climb in bed and I want to pull the covers over my head and I and I just want to pretend like it doesn't exist. Block everything out. But, but that is probably the least helpful thing that we can do. And so trying to provide education on how we respond when we learn of someone's abuse or when they disclose to us is honestly vital to how that survivor is going to move forward in their life. You know, if they feel doubted, if they feel questioned, they feel like it, like they're making it up, then they may never speak about it again, and it can literally destroy them from the inside out. However, if they feel like they are believed, that they're still loved, they're um, valued, it'll be much easier for them to go and, you know, get help in whatever form that takes. Uh, maybe report it to the police. Maybe pursue a case. I mean, and, and without support, going through the judicial system is, is terrifying, and I'd say almost impossible. But knowing that you have, you know, kind, loving support behind you is going to make all the difference between whether you are able to move forward and live a healthy life or not. Mm, that's a really good point, too, and how you respond to someone if they're telling you, you know, that this has happened to them and how to help them. And that's why you maybe have started the Smart Defense courses. Let's talk a little bit about that, too. Which is something I am also enormously proud of. <laughs> um a few years ago, I was on a plane and I, I mean, I was in first class. They, I had been upgraded. So, you know, they've got the big seat dividers up there. It's like a big, huge armrest. And I woke up in a panic because the man sitting next to me, he had reached over across from his seat and he had put his hand in between my legs and oh. was rubbing my thigh. Oh my goodness. And I was in such shock. I remember just looking at him, waiting for him 
I don't know, I think I was waiting for him to apologize or give me a reason as to why his hand was rubbing my inner thigh. Right. He didn't say anything. He didn't remove his hand. And I had to physically pick his hand up and take it off. Um, I mean, I did I did report it. I did follow it up. However, after I got off that plane, I just started thinking, how is this happening to me again? I mean, yes, that is not, um, that has not stopped me in living my life. That, you know, doesn't make me scared to fly. It do- doesn't do anything that I understand on the, I don't compare people's trauma. I don't compare my experiences. Um, that's not right. But for me, on my scale of what I can handle, what I can't handle, I mean, I can handle that. It doesn't put it into like my place of extreme trauma doesn't send me there but I was still so shocked that someone would so brazenly be so inappropriate absolutely and I just couldn't believe it was happening to me I remember calling up my husband and being like do I just have a sign on my forehead that says easy target or something because how is I mean I'm Elizabeth Smart what are the odds of this happening to me again and I was just so shocked I just remember being so disgusted that if it could happen to me like up in first class um, in the middle of the day it wasn't even like a night flight. It was in the morning. Oh my goodness! That I just—it just made me think this. This is this is too far. This is too much. I've got to do something about it. And so that's how Smart Defense was actually born. And Smart Defense, we have it. Um, the best place to take it is in person. But I recognize we don't have locations everywhere, at least not yet. Um, so it is online and you can take it online. But I would highly recommend to look us up online and see if we have a location near you. Because if we do, you should go take it in person. That is where it will be most effective. And don't just take it once. I mean, keep coming back. Take it multiple times because the more you take it, the more you practice, the more ready those skills are going to be. But it's ultimately a combination of jujitsu, Krav Maga, what am I saying? And Muay Thai and honestly just dirty street fighting. And we are constantly trying to make it the best it can be. We're adapting. We're trying to improve it. You know, if we figure, find that something is not working, we, we change it so that it can be uh, the most useful and most effective way to get away to safety as possible. So taking it once is great. Taking it more than once again is Again and again best. and again. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you are an incredible human being. Thank you so much for, you know, championing for girls and women and families, like I said, across the world, Elizabeth, and being a voice and your strength is inspiring. And we love you here at Fresh Living. You're welcome anytime to come on our show. And uh, I know here in Utah, we just, uh, we love you so much. This is your home. And Elizabeth, if we want to follow you and find more resources where can we go so you can go to maloofoundation.org you can go to elizabethsmartfoundation.org um they also another program that i failed to mention but is amazing is actually it's it's called on watch and that is the website for that is iamonwatch.org and that is basically a mini a mini course on how to recognize signs of human trafficking and abuse and it's something that if you want to get involved if you want to do something today Go online to IamOnWatch.org and take that course because it is incredible and it will it will give you skills on how to recognize signs of abuse and human trafficking around you. Absolutely so important and I, I love that advice. So tell us that website one more time, Elizabeth. IamOnWatch.org. Perfect. Thank you for joining me today and talking with us, Elizabeth. We really appreciate it. And Great. Thank you. My pleasure. Of course. And thank you for listening to Fresh Off the Set. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next week.
Congrats, you made it to the end. If you want to continue to freshen up your day, you can watch us on Fresh Living every weekday on CBS Channel 2 in Utah at 1 o'clock. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, KUTV Fresh Living, and follow us on social media. We will see you next week.